Hello and welcome to another episode of Real You Real Money. I'm so excited for you to be here and I'm equally as excited, possibly even more excited to tell you that the doors for plenty are now open. You can find out all the details in my show notes. But something you might not know about this podcast is we get a really similar amount of listens per episode, which tells me that we have this really beautiful, uh, loyal community. And you are all people, as you're listening to this, who are so welcome in plenty. It is, if you like what I'm saying here, it will absolutely be a good fit for you. So if you're interested in working with me in a much deeper way, in an ongoing community, you pay upfront for it or over a payment plan. And then you're in the community. We have weekly calls. I'm adding lives. There are workshops, all sorts of things, as well as the course content itself. I'd love to have you. I'd love to get to know you. If you would like to join us and Obviously, you can just go to the show notes and do that. Or if you'd rather, you can book a call with me, DM me on Instagram, and let's chat about it. Enjoy today's episode. Welcome to another episode of Real You, Real Money. Thank you for being here, for starters. I have a really genuine question to ask you as we start off. How are we all doing? How are you doing? Like, I feel like... It's just a really interesting time to run a business at the moment and has been for a while now. Had we known, like, honestly, it just feels like pre-COVID and after COVID and and not in terms of, although that some of the stuff that's going on obviously is partly to do with COVID. There's also a number of things that have nothing to do with that, but it feels like before that time was just a more innocent time to run your business in you know there are so many questions that I never had to answer before the pandemic hit like is now an okay time to be selling wasn't a question how should I be speaking to my clients about world events wasn't it was a little bit but not so often as it is now there are some real watershed things and I think that has really grasped on to some of our conditioning and it's heightened it so it's like I said it's an interesting time to be running a business and it's a very interesting time to be making money there's a lot of chat in the online world I keep seeing people saying like how, do, how like you know recession proof your business how do we weather this economy all of those sorts of things and I'm not going to be mass well I guess I'm kind of taking a different take with that this is not a recession specific episode but it's definitely going to be useful to listen to in terms of that sort of stuff because I want to talk about something that I'm not seeing anybody talk about I haven't seen anybody mention it's actually two things and they're two things that I think are required of us right now and one is absolutely not possible without the other so here's the first one One of the reasons, one of the, do I want to say main reasons? It's definitely a big reason that I think money making is hard right now. Like I've spoken to so many people who feel like, particularly in the online space for a number of us, 2020, as difficult as it was outside of the business world, for a lot of us, it was quite a boom year because everyone rushed online. People had money from the government to spend and that had a real impact. And in terms of the money that 
people online were bringing in. And what's interesting about that is that for a lot of those people, they have found themselves confused post-2020, like across 2021, it felt like it became, just they became less sure, they became disillusioned, confused, because certain things that were working before didn't work in the same way. And I think that was a mixture of the kind of climate, online and offline, but also we were all tired. There's also a burnout element to all of that. And so I speak to a lot of people at the moment who they feel like they've lost their way. Maybe they started to be online in 2020 and they're starting to be like, is this for me? I'm not sure. Or their their business really took off that year and it doesn't quite feel that way right now. And so it just feels like they're, and then, you know, we keep getting these, <laughs> we keep getting world event after world event after world event and, and people feel a bit stuck. And here's why I think it's making money hard, aside from the obvious reasons. And when I say that, we have to be really, really careful. And this is a podcast episode all of its own, starting to say things like no one's buying right now. That's why it's hard, because people are buying. We can. Get, this is not what this episode is about, but we might as well get that out of the way. They you might need to speak to slightly different people. But the idea that nobody is buying right now is simply not true. There are people with money. There are people who can afford their bills. All of that exists. That's not actually what I'm talking about today. But before someone is sat there going, yes, but Ray, <laughs> I want to just state that. I've probably said that in a few podcasts. I can't remember, but let's say it. So here's the first thing. Money making is particularly hard right now because money loves it when you have fun with it money loves it when you're excited and things feel light and they feel joyful it loves it when you're tapping into what you're brilliant at and then you play with it it loves to feel like it's part of a game and does that not like let well I I want you all to be here I want a call and response and obviously no one's here apart from me but what I'd love to know is How does that feel when I say that? Does that land in a kind of like, yes, brilliant. I can go and have fun with it. Amazing. Or does it feel like, ooh, how do you go and have fun making money when it feels like the world is burning, when it feels like there's so much suffering, when it feels like things are so hard for so many people? Because it feels very much not okay to have fun whilst making money right now. And yet, things feeling good in your business, in the way you make money, is about so much more than it feeling pleasant. This is not like, oh, you know, if it feels good to you, it will feel good. And that's better, right, than it not feeling good. That's part of it. That makes for a more sustainable business. It makes for a business that you can keep up with because you're not dreading what you're offering, stuff like that. But it's about so much more than that. Your feelings of fun and lightness and joy and excitement and ease and inspiration, et cetera, et cetera, are not just nice to have. They are indicators that you are operating in spaces that were made for you. They are indicators that you are, something inside you is coming to life 
when you run your business in that space, it means less spirals, less doubts. It's the magic ingredient that you were looking for. And money loves it, loves it when we're in that space. It responds to it, sometimes in ways that feel totally magical. I had a client this morning think of someone she wanted to work with, a sort of person. And then through doing nothing else, a DM, an email, a text came in from exactly that sort of person. Now, that's not me going into manifesting territory. That's me saying there is something magical when we operate in spaces where, for whatever reason, our surroundings go, right, that's it. I remember somebody ages ago, a friend of mine, and I did a few like coaching sessions with her. This is really early on in my beginning of my coaching career. And she started to run this business and it was like people were throwing money at her. It was like they'd been waiting for her to try doing this business. It took off so fast. And I've seen that over and over again when people move into their space. And one of the key signs that you're with, that you're in the right space, that it's that it fits you, is joy, pleasure, fun, excitement, those tingles. How do we marry that with the state of the world, with the state of the economy? How do we go into launches, selling stuff in ways that feel fun? How could we, how could I even suggest we make it a game? And this is where that pesky kindness or cost conditioning comes in. So for those of you that might be new or you've not heard me talk about that, I have this awesome, awesome framework. I think it's one of the things that it's it's a key part of my rewrite of plenty. Like surprisingly, I don't think it's in the last iteration of plenty. I'm pretty sure. And so I'm launching plenty at the moment and I'm rejigging some of the stuff in it. And it's always been the content of the of this particular framework has always been in plenty, but I've just made it um, make a lot more sense. It's a much more kind of succinct thing. So I have this framework and it's called the Wheel of Conformity Culture Conditioning. Catchy title. (laughs) And it goes through all the different ways that we are conditioned to show up around money. And one of the key ones that some of you will have heard me talk about over and over again, because it is so um, prevalent in times of crisis in the world, is kindness at all costs. What kindness at all costs looks like is us putting other people's needs way above our own. It literally means I value kindness above my own well-being, above my ability to run my business. I am more concerned, and this is what happens, by the way, when we want to up prices, because that's what we need to do to run our business in ways that work for us, but we worry more about how it will look to everybody, how everybody else will feel about it. What about the people that can't afford us? All of that stuff. That's kindness at all costs in action. When a war happens, when a pandemic kicks off and people go, well, I shouldn't be selling. I shouldn't be selling right now. I need to like think about everybody else. That's kindness at all costs. And so in this situation that I'm talking about where we know, and some of you will really know this, like you'll have sold programs or products or services that you loved, that you just adored doing, and your excitement, your energy behind that was palpable and people bought in. I've had people message me 
saying, I'm joining the course. I don't really need it, but I just need to be around the energy you're bringing as you're selling this. Like, because my excitement, because my joy was just so contagious in that moment. But kindness or cost conditioning comes in because there's a belief and it's deeply entrenched that while suffering is happening, we should not be prospering. While suffering's happening, while people can't pay, pay their bills, I shouldn't be aiming for bigger money goals. As if there is not enough space in the world for people to struggle and for people to prosper at the same time. Or maybe it's a feeling that enough people are doing that already. Maybe it's more that. So many people are prospering while so many people suffer. How can that be okay? I don't want to become another one of those prospering ones, another one of those ones aiming for better when people are experiencing such hard times. We tend to believe we should curve what's possible for us. That in doing that, we are somehow caring for people. But it doesn't actually make any sense, right? And it's not that I'm saying, oh, but everyone's going off and prospering. Everyone's going off and doing better stuff. You should join them. What I want you to know is it has no impact on the people struggling. All it does is put you into struggle with them. Now, if somebody is having a difficult time, does it help them for you to get, like, let's say somebody's drowning. Does it help you to get in the water and start drowning with them or do you need to use your own power whatever that is to help them and as I say that we need to be really really aware of where we can be diving into saviorism diving into presuming people need our help that don't But that idea that we somehow align ourselves with the suffering when we make ourselves suffer more is really patronizing, actually. And it doesn't make any difference. And conformity culture conditioning will do that to you. It will act, it will make you think that certain things make sense when they absolutely don't. It doesn't make sense that you having less fun making money will have any impact on the people who are struggling right now. And you might even be one of those people that's either on the cusp of struggling to pay bills or is in that space or you're you're worried about it. And yet when we don't play in ways, when we don't allow ourselves to move into what we know is the potential we hold, what we know could be light and fun, when we do that, It's having no impact on the people that are struggling. The only person it's impacting is you and the potential clients and customers that you have. It's impacting them because they're not getting access to what you do. They're not getting to enjoy it. They're not getting, as Tosha Silva says, the joy of investing in you. So in actual fact, there have always been people unable to pay their bills experiencing war in their countries, being made unemployed, being laid off, struggling with money. That's always been true. How does you not feeling good help them? 
And if someone's got an answer, please do DM me. I'd love to know. I can't think of one. How does you not going after your desires actually help them? Money loves it when you feel good around it because that's how you were designed to feel when you're operating in your most you self. When you're using those weird things, like I, I feel this less because I've been doing this job so long now. But when I first started coaching, I would constantly be astounded at the really weird parts of my personality that works really well with coaching. So like I, for a long time, and I'm less so now, was really obsessed with like celebrity culture stuff. I could always tell you like who was with who and connect one of my favorite games when I can't sleep. This is still true. is to try and connect random celebrities from one to the other. I love doing that because I, yeah, I'm always know like who's worked with who, who's dated who, all of that stuff. That skill has actually been very useful in coaching because I am someone that remembers really random bits of information. So I'll be like, oh, have you seen so-and-so who's launching like this? Did you know about this person who's doing it like this? Like I will have, my brain absorbs that information. I mean, I couldn't tell you absolutely anything about history or, you know, geography. Don't know where anything is, but I can tell you all the names of Kerry Katona's children and their dads. <laughs> which is, you know, not useful. But my ability to do that, the same part of my brain has been incredibly useful in coaching. And this is one of the things that as you step into your space, as you step into what suits you and you shed what you've been told you have to be, who you've been told you have to be, the skills that you are meant to have. There's been a number of skills that I have completely let go of ever thinking I'm going to have purposefully and joyfully in the end. Money loves it when you're in that space. It loves clean energy, essentially, which is what we show up with when we are being ourselves. There's less turmoil. There's less tussle. It means we go in on ourselves less. It means we question ourselves less. It means that when a sticky situation happens in our business, rather than fall victim to it and kind of say, oh, God, I knew this wouldn't work we can come up with a money-making idea around it. Money responds to that beautifully. And that leads me to point two, because what we need to do here is we need to be making space for both. When my mum died, when I was 20, and it was a very traumatic, very sudden thing. She was only 44. And like I said, it came out of nowhere and we were in the hospital for a week. And I remember she'd finally died after that week of being in the hospital and, and it very much being kind of, we, we knew it was coming, essentially. And me, my dad and my brother walked out of that hospital room and we went to a vending machine in the hospital, as you do. I actually love a hospital vending machine. We went to a vending machine and my dad said something. <laughs> and he was bent over. I can't, I'm not going to tell the story because it's going to sound like the actual story because it'll sound really strange. But I remember the worst thing that ever happened in my short life had happened. The worst thing I could probably at that time imagine, like of the, the four people in my family, one of them dying, or three people because I'm the fourth, one of them dying was just like the worst thing I could have imagined. That just happened. And then we got the giggles, which I now know is a very normal grief response. 
but we got the giggles so much that we couldn't breathe we were laughing so much the three of us we just left that situation and we walked out my dad said this stupid thing in a French accent (laughs) and the just for whatever reason it made us all laugh so much that our stomachs hurt and along with a number of realizations that I had in that week and then the months and years that followed I remember as a 20 year old suddenly realizing that you could be so sad and be laughing so hard all at once I remember really understanding that one didn't take away from the other. My laughter didn't make me any any less sad, any less grief-stricken, any less distraught in that moment. It didn't take away from it at all. It was completely whole at that point, that level of grief. And, and this is the thing, like, it's it's we can hold those two things at once. You can go and enjoy making money whilst also not being sure how it's all going to pan out, whilst also being worried and concerned for people who do not have the money to keep up with some of these cost of living things that are ongoing. Both of those things can exist at one time. One of the lies of the old patriarchy is that we are one-dimensional creatures, that we cannot hold opposing feelings. And that was something that happened a lot after my mum died. People would say to me like, oh, you seem to be coping so well. And I was like, well, you don't see me at night when I'm sobbing. You don't see me with my friends or my therapist that I'm going to. I do, I have fun. I'm still, you know, say funny things I laugh at other people's funny things that they say I watch tv that makes me laugh I'm still a whole human I have not become my grief I never stopped being sad about it I still am sad about it every day even talking about it now I can feel the sadness about it but I also have an amazing life with an amazing partner and brilliant kids. All of that exists at once. And I think there's a further part of this ability to be really emotionally agile. It taps into our ability to trust ourselves with holding complexity. And it taps into our ability to trust each other. And I keep meaning to write a post about this, but the more I work on trusting myself, the more I find myself trusting other people, and the more I realize how rare that is. To really, truly trust other human beings, to believe them when they tell us how they're dealing with something emotionally, to really let them, and I'm not perfect to it, that's not what I'm saying at all, But I notice it so much in business, particularly when it comes to how we sell, how we price. Trusting those people around us that they do want to buy from us. 
that they do want to pay that much money, thank you very much, that they do want to invest in us is incredibly powerful. Trusting that somebody can both be worried about their investment and also know it's the right thing to do. Being able to hold on to the truth that you can have fun making money while hard, painful stuff is happening. And you can do it without denial or bypassing. You can fully feel those feelings and you can also feel lightness and joy with what you do. But like I said, it involves emotional agility. And I think those, the people that previously held the keys to money making didn't have that kind of emotional agility. And I think that's a really important thing because a lot of the harm we've seen around money making is this kind of, in order to make money, I have to deny everyone else's feelings, even their humanity. You know, you look at the way that workers are often treated. You can't do that unless you're denying people's humanity. You can't do that unless you are putting money and profits above people. You can't be the gas companies right now, pocketing their massive profits and not put, offsetting some of that to alleviate the struggle people are in. So it's actually a really important skill that we're able to hold both. That we don't have to either fully dive into every single person's bad experience and leave nothing for ourselves or our businesses find no joy in it equally we can't just dive into that and forget all the feelings as well and the thing is now is a brilliant time to practice all of that because it is literally it's the air we breathe at the moment it's every time we open up the news it's every time we jump on instagram and there's something else to grab our attention because if we're going to survive these times in our businesses economically it's a skill we're going to have to have and it's something that I am really excited for the people of plenty this is a lot of the work that we do in plenty I wrote down just before and I was going to play with it but you know what I'm like always share stuff super quickly one of the things that I really want to do with with plenty is build a community of emotionally agile and literate money makers because I honestly believe that's part of where we make these changes we don't do it by denying things we do it by really learning to be agile in our feelings to keep our empathy alive whilst also knowing that we make a difference by participating not by opting out and that is so much of what plenty is about so if you've been wanting to join Plenty, now is a perfect time. It's going to be open till the end of the month. I would love to have you in it with us. If you like this podcast, you already know the perfect fit. Because it's it's so much about how I approach things, the kind of coaching I do, as well as the sort of people that come into my world. And you get a whole lot of, of it as well, because there's a community afterwards, there's lives, there's blah, 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 calls, all sorts of things. It's awesome. It's so awesome. So if that feels good to you, pop to the show notes, pop and have a look and really consider this agility thing. Like, where are you not letting yourself have fun? And it might not be about the state of the world. It might just be that you believe money has to be hard work. And how can you have fun with it? 
start playing with it start looking at how that can look all right thank you so much for being here i'll see you next time